The views and opinions expressed during this program do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of WHIO and Cox Media Group. This hour is sponsored by Take-Two Healthcare. America's top talk shows with breaking news, traffic, and weather. WHIO! W-H-I-O. And very good morning, everybody out there. Thanks for tuning in this morning. This is Dr. Andrew Dyer, your guest host for the next hour. Joining you live in studio today and wanted to kind of just start off with a little quick background on me, uh, what it is we do in our office, where I've got my tra- where I've gotten my training from, and just give you that little quick bio blurb. So uh, as you've hopefully heard my voice here before, I've been working with Dr. Merkel at Take-Two Healthcare for 17 years now. So it's been a good long run here in the Miami Valley, and it will continue on. Uh, but yeah, I moved here in 2005 after finishing school in Chicago. So I got my training, started my undergraduate work, and finished my undergraduate work in Wisconsin, where I'm from, at Carroll College, uh, majoring in biology there. And then I went to chiropractic school in Chicago at National University of Health Sciences. And when I finished there, I moved right to Dayton, Ohio, and I've been here pretty much ever since that time. So it's an honor and a blessing to be here with you every Saturday when we get the chance. And I mean, we always get the chance, but there are three of us, so we take our turns. Uh, But Dr. Marco's traveling this week, and Dr. Yaley needs a break, so I am your man for this hour. And I have a couple of different topics, and they're not really related to each other, but I still think it's going to make for uh, some educational time for you as the listener And one of the things that we're going to start off with is revisiting some of the common markers in a blood panel that I saw this week for cancer detection and cancer monitoring and really setting up some some good measures to help this patient improve. Uh, We worked with her before, and then for the last couple of months, she maybe hadn't been as disciplined as she needed to be. And so now some of her markers are back up again, and we're going to talk about that. And then I also wanted to share with you, I spent a good deal of my afternoon yesterday uh, reading a book that a patient had given me. And I'm not through with the whole book yet. It's, I don't know, several hundred pages, and I'm probably about halfway there. It's 450 pages, and I'm maybe midway through, not quite. But the title of the book is How to Starve Cancer. And it's a really interesting book. It It was, like I said, it was given to me by a patient. She bought it to read, and she said, Doc, I can't understand. It's too technical. You you got to read it for me and, and let me in on what the secrets are. And I said, sure, I'll, I'll take a look. I'll read it. But it's written by a physiotherapist, or over here in the States, we call them PTs, physical therapists. In, in Europe and in England and France, they call, they're called physios. So this is the author, and it really just kind of details her personal journey through treating her own different cancers. And she didn't treat them herself, but she helped herself in a big, big way by using vitamin and mineral support during her, her chemotherapy treatments. And the book is really quite incredible. I, I'm not a fast reader. I usually remember almost everything I read, at least for a time. And it, it takes me a while to get through it. But I ripped off about nine chapters yesterday just sitting at my kitchen table in the afternoon. And it was a really, really great read. Like I said, I can't, I can't formulate an overall opinion on the entire text yet because I'm not completed with it. But it's a great book, How to Starve Cancer, and the author is Jane McClelland. Uh, Really, really interesting read, and in a lot of it, she discusses the dietary approach to keeping inflammation low as you go through cancer. I mean, this is this is obviously some of the work we do in our office. So it was it was a really thrilling read because it mirrors a lot of what we do very very closely. Now there there were definitely some other 
philosophies and thoughts that she expressed that maybe don't align with with how we would handle the situation perfectly, but that's okay. I mean, she's sharing her thoughts and her journey, and and I took a lot out of it, and maybe you will too. But more importantly today, uh, my goal is that you learn the value in testing because that's what we do. I mean, every every new nutrition patient that comes to our office and, and every continuing nutrition patient that, that stays and remains uh, treated in our office gets tested. And when I say gets tested, I need to share with you what that means. Uh, on our standard blood panel, <laughs> and I say standard blood panel, our standard blood panel is is far and away the most extensive panel most patients have ever had. But on our general panel, we look at about 55 different markers, starting at sugar values and kidney function to liver, pancreas, thyroid, all the way through the white and red blood cells or the immune system components. We look at vitamin D, cholesterol, a number of different key markers that show us whether or not the body's healing and repairing properly, whether or not there's high levels of inflammation. And so by doing that, we could really start to pick up on some of these chronic conditions, well, maybe in a, in a late stage, but we can also find some of these conditions be, before they become a chronic or late stage issue. And just to kind of recap my week, I know this is a part that Dr. Merkel enjoys in the show is kind of going back through and telling you some of the patients we worked with this week, and, and for me specifically, I can only speak about the patients I saw this week, but... One with the severe gastroparesis, uh, major gut and intestinal problems. Um, we're getting him on the right track. It's, it's slow going for him right now, but he's been in and out of the emergency room about six or eight times since even before we started working together. And, and he's going to get there. Uh, he's not there yet, and he's got a long way to go, but we're already starting to see some signs of improvement for him. Another patient that I did intake with has what's called Lynch syndrome. Lynch syndrome is a particular genetic profiled disease state, I'll say, because I don't know the better word for it right now, but disease state where they basically just have a higher incidence of specific cancers. So colorectal, prostate, uh, skin cancers, a little bit higher propensity for those with the Lynch syndrome genetic profile. So I'm now getting to take care of the father in this family. Already was working with the son and the mother, and I'm acquainted with the other son, but... uh, the dad and the son that I had previously worked with are the two carriers for Lynch syndrome in this in this family. So um, we're going to do some exciting work with him and going to get his testing back and get him started. But the patient that I really wanted to focus on today and, and get you kind of caught up on is one that I've talked about before on this show because back in late or excuse me, early 2019 when we started working together, she was given a pretty grim report. From her medical doctor, uh, in that they found some cancer in her abdominal region, uh, in the omentum area, which are some of the connective tissues in the gut, not not per se colorectal area, but some of those tissues that that connect skin and muscle layers to some of our organs, and that was where her original cancer was found. And we did actually some great things for her, and she came a long way. It was only just a couple of months before we saw some dramatic lowering in her tumor markers. And, and yes, her case is on our website, if, if you want to refer to it. And I haven't been able to update anything yet because I just got the numbers in yesterday. But where she is currently, and, and the lapse in time was from late June of 2020 to now where we are currently, and, and her blood test was done on 2-2-22. So... The, the update as to where she sits currently is like this. She's got some critical things going on for sure. Kidney function is lower now. 
than it has been in the past. Uh, GFR is down several points, and it's in the not the lowest stage of stage four kidney damage, but in between stage two and stage three, kind of teetering on that borderline. So we need to do some things for her kidney function. And then looking down through her blood work, there's a marker called the AG ratio. And AG stands for albumin and globulin. Those are the two proteins that we measure in the blood. And this AG ratio becomes an excellent long-term prognostic indicator of how well she can do based on where we're starting off. And right now, this number is not as good as it should be. It's at 0.9. And any value on the AG ratio lower than 1 is bad. It is what we call an ominous finding. We need to flip that number back to where it belongs and quickly. And the sooner we do that, the better off she's going to be from a just a simple survival standpoint. Because when these proteins get reversed in the blood, it means... We don't have enough finding power from the albumin to take vitamins and minerals and go drop them off at the proper place in the body so that those cells can heal and repair, fight inflammation, fight kidney damage, fight all the things that are going on in her. And then our globulin status in, in this particular patient is a little bit too high. That's not necessarily bad since globulin is used to make new white blood cells. And if we're going to fight off cancer, we're going to need a very active white blood cell count. So, so we need those two proteins to play nicer with each other. And they're imbalanced right now. And we need to get that back on track. And some of that's going to come from, one, reducing inflammation in her system, and two, actually improving specifically pancreatic inflammation. Why would pancreatic inflammation play such a specific role here? Well, the pancreas is involved in some of the digestive process around the proteins. So the proteins we consume, if we don't have all the right functions going on within our gallbladder and liver and pancreas, stomach and spleen, we're not going to get these structures from the food we've eaten out to the places in the body where they really need to be delivered. And so if we can't get that AG ratio to turn around quickly, uh, it, it is not going to be a good long-term sign. We've got time, and we've got the ability. We just need to get her started again quickly. Another couple of really significant indicators on this blood work, and I, I, I think that the reason why going through this blood work in detail can be helpful is for those of you looking at home, maybe you have a blood test that you just got recently done at your, at your medical office or, or somewhere else, and you can pull it up on your phone. You can, you can access your MyCharts. You can pull that blood test up from, from wherever it sits out in the, the cloud and pull that up on your phone, and you can see some of these markers may have been tested on you. And you'll also see some big gaps in what I'm talking about where these tests haven't been run. Well, if the tests haven't been run, then you really don't know your entire situation at this point. So if you need us to do a little bit more extensive blood evaluation, let us know. But the, the bottom line is here, you have to be able to interpret the tests properly, and then you have to be able to do something about them. So in our next big blue value here for this patient, when I say big blue value, that means it's the most critical type of finding. It's the highest outside of our healthy range. It's way beyond the clinical or medical range, and it's actually up in a very, very high or very, very low state. And we, so we highlight that, those test findings in blue on our report so that we can see them very easily and know that the primary focus of our next couple weeks worth of treatment needs to be on these blue values to make them better or we're not going to have a, a good outcome here in the long term. So this next value I'm talking about is called alkaline phosphatase. 
And it's simply a value that measures liver and bone function. So when we're looking at this ALK-FOS value, our healthy range on it stops around 92. The clinical range goes up to about 118, 119, depending upon if it's a male or female patient. In this case, an 82-year-old female shouldn't have a value that's much higher than about 117, and her value is 248. And so with that number, we really need to focus on bringing things down and under control. We need to drop it by more than half. So if we, if we got that number to, to fall by half in the next month, we'd be down to 124. We'd be seven points away from where we'd want to start from. And that would be a pretty nice victory. If we could improve that by 50% in one month, which I think we can, because the last time we had that number known for this particular patient at the end of June in 2020, it was only 102. So that fit inside the clinical range. It wasn't as good as it could have been. Maybe another 10 or 11 points, we'd have had it back to healthy. But at least it wasn't showing us this major significant sign of potential liver and bone involvement, not only from a cancer perspective, but when we have liver and bones involved, we have a number of different pathologies that need to be ruled out. And so 248 on ALKFOS is a very, very significant number. And we need to do something good about it and quickly. I know we're rolling up towards the first break here, but uh, we've got more numbers to cover on the other side. Uh, we'll keep talking about this case. And then if we have some time, which I think we will, there's going to be some good information you're going to want to hear if you've had COVID and have recovered, but you just haven't recovered fully. Got some good information to share with you on that. So thanks for tuning in this first segment here. You're listening to Dr. Andrew Dyer on AM 1290 WHIO. It's an Ask the Expert weekend on Dayton and Springfield's 24-hour news, weather, and traffic station. 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. It's our Ask the Expert weekend on the Miami Valley Radio Station with breaking news, weather, and traffic. 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. And we are rolling back into it. I'm uh, glad you are back with us for this second stanza. And we're just leaving on the other side of the break with, with the synopsis on a patient that I saw the uh, blood work come through for this week. And the the whole point of me going through some of these numbers, again, is to allow you to look and see, do you know what these numbers are on yourself? If you don't, we can get them for you. But the the purpose behind them is to have numbers that we can work with that can can show us when things get better or also if things get worse. So it's it's all by the numbers. I mean, what we do is exactly <clears throat> treat, test, well, in this order, test, treat, test again. And then it's important to even stay up with, with annual rechecks, even if if you're feeling great and everything's wonderful, you want to still get those annual blood tests done because in times of no symptoms, we want to make sure you're as healthy as possible. But then it also allows us to have a set of data points to go back and compare to if things change again. And that's why this is going to be such a, a valuable set of new data for us on this patient is even when we look at this next number down, that's the, the another, another blue one, the LDH. LDH is not a cholesterol value. A lot of people mistake that. Cholesterol is LDL. But in this case, LDH stands for lactate dehydrogenase. 
and is really an enzyme that the cells of the body put out when they're breaking down too quickly. And so, again, on a healthy individual, this number could be somewhere between 140 and 190. Uh, clinical range lets it go up to about 226. And the current value for this patient is 286. So we're 60 points higher than we want to be, meaning there's a lot more cellular destruction going on in her body at this point in time than there was back at the end of June in 2020. At that time, the LDH was within the normal and actually within the optimal range at 157. So it, it is that value, too, that combined with the AG ratio and the alkaline phosphatase is the third blue value that we need to concern ourselves with if we're going to make a major and, and significant impact in this case to not only just prolong her life, but to help move her ahead in the right and healthy direction. Uh, 82 years of age, there, there should be still some, some wonderful capacity for living there. Uh, we just have to do our job, and, and, and she's got to be an active part of that, and I know she will be. Another value that's very, very significant here is the GGT value, and that stands for gamma glutamyl transferase, and, and it's a pancreatic enzyme. So we, we get this number on everybody when we look at their liver function and then pancreatic function because the three numbers come together. So for this particular patient, the liver enzymes look, look quite good. Um, the first one's only over by 10 or 11 points from healthy. It's only two points difference from where it was back in her healthier state of, of June 2020. But now looking at the GGT and seeing how much that has changed is a really significant warning sign right now. It went from 120 up to 307. And while 307 is very, very high, it should be nothing higher than 60 really ever. So even at 120, it was twice as high as it should have been, but now it's another two to three times on top of that. So we're at 307 currently. And, and I'm scrolling back. Give me just a second because I'm going to scroll back and see where she was when we first started. Yes, yeah, so when we did her very first blood panel, GGT levels were at 50 and they went to 110, even though we were making improvements on other areas. And then we got that GGT to kind of settle out between 110 and 120. But now at 307, that's, again, where this key data compiling comes in in that we saw where she was about a year and a half ago. Uh, yeah, coming up on two years ago. So, yeah, a year and a half ago. And then now, seeing her at 307, we know, again, this is just another marker that says we have a significant challenge on our hands here. Uh, so we've got to do some things about that and, and right away quick. Uh I want it to be finished with this part, but we're not done yet. So we've got to take another break. We'll come back and finish up this, and then we're going to get to long haulers COVID. We need to talk about that. So stay with me. Uh, you're listening to Dr. Andrew Dyer on WHIO. It's an Ask the Expert weekend on Dayton and Springfield's 24-hour news, weather, and traffic station, 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. Winter weather is here. And it's created havoc on roads. The rule of thumb this morning is if your normal drive time is 15 minutes, just double it. W-H-I-O. Only those who feel it absolutely necessary travel should be on those roadways. Our commitment is to break in and give you important information as it's happening. Pressure is hazardous. We could use uh, about any of those words, Ron. This is Dayton's emergency news, traffic, and weather station. AM 1290 and 95.7 FM. W-H-I-O. This is the station Dayton turns to first for live team coverage of breaking news. WHIO, Dayton Springfield. Your news starts now. 
depend on it. It's 1130. I'm Jonah Adi. We are live with the WHIO News Update for Saturday, February 26th. Our top story we're following. Heavy fighting in Ukraine continues as the Russians move in on the capital city. We've got the latest from the situation there. WHIO triple team traffic in the last half hour seeing an accident on Was on Miamisburg Centerville Road at Southwind Drive in Washington Township. Checking out those major freeways. Those still looking all clear. It's our top story as the Russian invasion continues. President Zelensky in Ukraine rallying citizens and soldiers saying they'll stand and fight. Vicki Barker has team coverage. Ukraine's military and citizen soldiers are so far resisting these early assaults, but Russia's tanks and heavy artillery are now reportedly less than 20 miles away. Well, casualties expected to be close to the hundreds as fighting continues. We'll bring more updates on the situation in Ukraine as it develops. Ohio Governor Mike DeWine is part of a bipartisan response to the Russian invasion. Team coverage from WHIO's Ron Otto. Along with Minnesota Governor Tim Waltz, the statement from the Council of Governors condemns the attack. DeWine says the U.S. and Ukraine, quote, share common values, including freedom, democracy, and the rule of law. DeWine and Waltz also serve as co-chairs of the presidentially appointed council. A majority of Americans can now take their masks off indoors in the latest plan by the CDC. WHIO's Alexander Tin has the details. Under the agency's new guidance, some 70% of Americans now live in places where the CDC says you can take off your mask. That includes places like schools in those communities, but at least for now, excludes travel corridors like airports and train stations. The CDC using hospital admission rates to determine if a region is safe to go maskless. This is WHIO Continuing News. Four of the nation's largest drug companies will pay approximately $26 billion in settlements tied to the deadly opioid crisis. It's just exploded over the last couple of years. I mean, DEA and our partners, we see as well over 9 uh, million counterfeit fentanyl pills. That's Mike Gannon, special agent in charge with the DEA in Indiana, says fentanyl is a major problem in areas hit by the crisis. Now, the most accurate and dependable weather forecast with meteorologist Mike Joyce. A chilly morning with temperatures in the 20s rising into the 30s this afternoon with a partly cloudy sky. I'm meteorologist Mike Joyce for Dayton Severe Weather Station 1290 and 95.7 WHIO. And the latest scan of the live Doppler 7 radar is looking all clear. We've got 27 degrees in Troy, 25 in Springfield, 27 in downtown Dayton at 1133. With news on the hour and when it breaks, I'm Jonah Adi, WHIO. Depend on it. What if you could build a six-figure retirement income with almost half the money saved? You heard that right. Get a discount on your retirement, creating six-figure income with 40% less than traditional 401ks and mutual funds. Hi, I'm Brett Kitchen, best-selling author and star in a new Hollywood documentary called The Baby Boomer Dilemma. In this film, economists and Nobel Prize-winning PhDs from Wharton, MIT, and Stanford share a strange concept called the retirement discount. It gives you more retirement income with the same dollar saved, and your money is never at risk if the market crashes. That's right. If the market crashes 30%, you lose nothing. Even people who are on track have shifted money to this new strategy because it increases their retirement income or can allow them to stop working years sooner. So if you're over 50 and want a bigger, better retirement with less money, call to get a free copy of this brand new movie, The Baby Boomer Dilemma, at 1-800-960-8585. This is a $30 value, but when you call today, you get it completely free. I'll even pay your shipping and handling, no credit card required. So don't delay. Call right now. 1-800-960-8585. That's 1-800-960-8585. 
you could unlock more cash than you realize from your home's equity with a cash out refinance today. In the last year, average home values have gone up nearly 20%. And with Rocket Mortgage, you could unlock thousands in less than three weeks. But you've got to act right now before rates go up. So when you're looking to unlock the cash in your home, Rocket can. Call 8338-ROCKET today or go to rocketmortgage.com to get started. Rocket. Rates current as a 12-12-21. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender license in all 50 states. Anomalous consumer access. Not over 3030. Call 800-490-1233 for disclosures and cost information. Hi, this is Joe Cordell with the law firm Cordell & Cordell. When the prospect of divorce becomes a reality, you need a partner that you can count on. If you're a man in this situation, consider contacting Cordell & Cordell. We've helped men navigate complex legal matters for 30 years. Contact Cordell & Cordell to schedule an appointment with one of our firm's Dayton area attorneys, a partner men can count on. 2689 Commons Boulevard, Suite 100, Beaver Creek, Ohio, 45431. Online at CordellCordell.com. It's our Ask the Expert weekend on the Miami Valley radio station with breaking news, weather, and traffic. 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. All right, we are back and we are ready to roll. Uh, C-reactive protein and ferritin are the two other blue markers on this blood panel, and they're, and they're important enough to talk about, and then we'll transition away from it. But C-reactive protein is a number that really measures cardiac inflammation. But it, it can also show us some inflammatory activity in the rest of the system, too. But this is a cardiac and arterial inflammatory marker that when there's other pathologies that involve inflammation, it will go skyrocketing upward. And the value for her previously was 3, and now we're at 39, where the top end of clinical should be 10 or less. For our healthy range, we want it under 7. Uh, so that's a number that needs attention as well. And then also ferritin. That's why ferritin becomes such an incredibly important number to test. And we test it on every blood panel that we do because it's not only the backup supply for iron, but also an acute inflammatory marker. So if we see an elevated ferritin count, which we do right now at 306, it's double what it should be, we know that we need to really, really address that inflammatory cascade to help get her well again. And, and that's, again, evidenced with the ESR, another, another way of measuring inflammation, more specifically in joints and other soft tissue areas of the body, but that one's at 67. And last time when we knew it, it was at 57, so a 10-point jump there. And then we have, of course, some specific tumor markers as well that are all elevated. But the, the bottom line is here, if you test thoroughly and appropriately at the beginning, you're not only going to catch some of these things in an early phase, or maybe the patient doesn't present until the late phases, which is what happened here initially, and we saved and extended her life once, and now we need to do it again. And that's, that's what our mission will be for the next several weeks and, and well beyond that. So we've got our, our work cut out for us here, and, and she does too, but I know she can do it. And she has a high uh, level of motivation, which is always very, very helpful. I'm going to try to jump on and grab a caller here. We're going to try to go to Ray. Let me see if I can get the buttons right. Uh, Ray, you're on with Dr. Dark. Can you hear me okay? Yes. All right, fantastic. How can I help you today? I was uh, recommended to have colonoscopy. Okay. Uh, a friend of mine had this, this done, and he had some problem with that. Plus, they are going to go through my mouth also and with the tube or the camera. Sure. See what's going on. Okay. Well, I'd like to know what's your opinion about that. Is there a danger involved, or should I take it, or should, should not? not? 
Yeah. Yeah, great question. So in order to answer that appropriately, I need to know a little bit more about you, Ray. So tell me how old you are. 72. 72. Okay. And are you having some particular problems? Are you having digestion problems or having well, bowel I, problems? I had those uh, the, those kits that they send you uh-huh. that uh, you take home and you do to take a sample and take it back to the lab. Sure. They told me it, uh, the result was positive, so they, because of that, they recommended okay. colonoscopy. Okay, got it. Yeah, so that information is very, very important. And if you're, I think you're talking about the Cologuard test that you had done previously at home. And when those come back positive, they're, they're typically accurate about 90 to 95% of the time in terms of their finding. It doesn't necessarily mean that there's cancer present, but it means that there's reason to explore further. Now, if you were a patient of ours in our office, we would run a blood panel on you, and we would be sure to include a couple of specific cancer antigen markers. These are blood tests, and this particular blood test uh, component would, would kind of help us answer that question even further. But to, to your point, there is some risk. It is a low-level risk, but when they do colonoscopy, there is a small risk of perforation. It's in the low single-digit percentage uh, of times that they do that where there could be an issue. Um, but, but if we had some specific markers on you, it would be much easier to answer that question. So we would look at things like CEA, CA199, and there was another test that we used to use called LASA that's currently uh, not not available to use at the lab but those couple two or three blood markers would make our our job a lot easier in advising you on this but I, I can understand why the colonoscopy would be considered for you at this point what what I don't know and maybe you can fill me in a little bit more is why do they also want to do the endoscopy why do why do they want to look down from the from the throat angle what's going on there that they didn't tell me when I when they recommend me to the specialist, to the doctor when I went there, they told me they would do that also. Got it. I don't know why they do that. Now, uh, I had a, a little uh, irregular diarrhea and sometimes constipation that kind of worries me. Sure. Maybe that is related to that. Yeah, and, and I can understand that. I mean, there <clears throat> there may be also a, a family history that they may have talked about or even some medications that you've been on in the past that, that may give you a greater risk of something going on within the stomach or esophagus or, or higher up in that gut tract that the colonoscopy part won't see because it's coming from the other end or other angle. Um, so, you know, it's it's tough to say whether you should do them or shouldn't do them. I mean, the information that you will get from those tests could be very valuable in helping to determine what a treatment plan would be. And that's typically how I weigh that decision is if the test isn't going to change treatment, then it's not always worth it or, or hardly is ever worth it. In this case, I think depending upon what the findings are, it could make a big change or adjustment to potential treatment options. Um, but then again, it depends on what type of treatment you plan to pursue if there's anything there. So it's, it's such a tough one. I think probably to err on the side of caution and say, yeah, get the testing done. And then from there, if you want to sit down and, and talk about some of those results you've gotten, be happy to do that for you. And then they will numb my whole body. <laughs> yeah, they're going to give you some uh, some sedation for sure so that they can uh, take a lot of good pictures while you're not... Uh... There is no danger in that or very little. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it will be some certainly some twilight sedation absolutely for those tests, you bet. And also, 
my doctor told me they sent they took some blood sample and told me that I am anemic. Anemic, yes. Mm-hmm. Anemic. And and I that have... and that part too can be significant for the reason why they're going to check you from the bottom up and from the top down. And and the reason anemia kind of calls for these next tests to be done is blood loss from the gut. Uh, whether it's stomach, esophagus, even ulcers, uh, or, or a bleed from the GI tract somewhere, somewhere can be a leading cause of anemia. So with that anemia finding compi- combined with the positive Cologuard result, um, maybe it is worthwhile to rule out that GI bleed. But after you get that all ruled out, let us know. We'll be happy to help, Ray. Okay. I'm diabetic also. Ah, okay. gotcha. Gotcha. Thank you very much, Doctor. Thank you for the call today. Appreciate it. Have a good weekend. All right. Excellent. Um, We're going to transition over. I know we don't have tons of time before this next break, but we do have enough. And we're going to leave the cancer topic for a moment. Um, We always come back to that because obviously those patients need help, lots of help, and there's lots of them to help. But there's a growing group of other people that need help, and they're the COVID long haulers. Okay, and there's another name for this. It's PASC, post-acute sequela of SARS-CoV-2. So PASC is the new lingo for COVID long haulers. But my my job and goal today is not to start any kind of debate about COVID, but just to give you information, arm you with information that you can potentially help yourself with. And so when we're talking about long hauler syndrome for from COVID. We want to start with understanding what the most common symptoms include, and that would be fatigue, cognitive dysfunction, neurological issues, endothelial dysfunction, headache, loss of taste and smell, GI issues, and muscle pain. Now, those aren't all of them, but those are some of them. And this article is actually really, really good, and it's, it's written by a DC that I, I've known over the years, and he's, uh, he's written some great articles. But this one is really, really good in that it goes through and tells you all the different types of presenting symptoms that can show up. So given in a percentage group, 80% of these patients that have long haul or COVID have persistent fatigue. Okay. Well, what do we see in our office on a daily basis anyway, whether it's COVID or not COVID related fatigue is a very, very common complaint across the board. So this is making it more noticeable. It's making it worse and it's making, and it's making it last longer. 73% reported tiredness after exertion. 58% reported cognitive dysfunction. 56% sensory motor symptoms such as loss of sense of taste. 54% reported headache and 51% reported memory issues. This is from a major international study of nearly 4,000 people that have been diagnosed with this condition. So here's what the the one-year follow-up of 152,000 patients treated in the VA health system a year after diagnosis their risk of developing heart failure was 39% greater. Risk of developing fatal blood clot was 119% higher. And the risk of having a stroke was 29% higher. Now, we have to know and understand a little bit more about some of these patients pre their diagnosis. If, and the, the crux of this article tells us this really staggering statistic that is one of the main reasons I want to share the article. And it says... The American adult population that can be considered metabolically healthy. I'm going to give you a percentage number, but I want you, before I do it, to guess in your head. Pick a number. What do you think is the American adult population that's considered to be metabolically healthy? 
If you said 20 to 30%, you were closest. But shockingly, the number is 12%. That means only 12 out of 100 people that are American adults are considered to be metabolically healthy. So what does that mean? That means absence of the diagnoses that follow. Hypertension, hypo or hyperthyroidism, diabetes or even pre-diabetes, and then obesity. So those are the, the statistical categories that if you don't fit into the healthy range on, you're outside that 12% of the population if you're an American adult. That's shocking and staggering statistics because that means we've got an awful lot of people that need our help. And because of the newness of this condition, I'm not talking about COVID, but I'm talking about the long haulers piece in terms of what are we going to do about it? Well, again, first, we have to understand a little bit about the mechanism that causes it. And it comes back again to that nasty little I word, inflammation. So if we're dealing with inflammation, we have to address it on a number of levels. Now, the majority of Americans, as I was just saying, entered the pandemic already in a state of chronic low-level inflammation from excess visceral fat. That means abdominal fat or, or fat around the organs in the viscera, which is from below the neck to above the pelvis. 42% of Americans overweight, 75% are overweight or obese, and more than 100 million Americans, or nearly half of all adults, have a prediabetes or metabolic syndrome. Or, or included in that type 2 diabetic group. So that means 1 in 3 adults have prediabetes, 1 in 10 has diabetes, and only 12% of that adult population can be considered metabolically healthy. So for this definition of metabolically healthy, they were only looking at the prediabetes and diabetics standpoints. Now, metabolic syndrome encompasses hypertension, obesity, and diabetes together. Those three comorbidities together define what metabolic syndrome is. So we have to be able to clearly define our terms. Excess weight, particularly from excess visceral fat, markedly increased the severity of COVID-19. Okay, that's all well and good. We've heard this before. But now what can we do to help? Treatment strategies and protocols. Now, the author here is Dr. Silverman. He, Like I said, he's a DC. He's got Tons and tons of credentials in nutrition, master's degree in human nutrition as well. Um, but what he lays out is interesting, and then I'm going to add a little bit more to that and maybe even take away a few things. But this is his article, so I'm just sharing it with you. Uh, among the post-COVID-19 patients that were seeing a tremendous rise in new medical issues and conditions, effective strategies and protocols for treating long-hauler COVID patients are critical. And here's what the focus needs to be, according to the author. Calming systemic inflammation through a multi-pronged approach. So we need to include dietary modifications, nutritional support with supplementation, resolving gut dysbiosis and intestinal permeability, and improving sleep. Why? Because if 80% of the people are having fatigue as a persistent symptom, we need to get them sleeping better. And not by giving them sleep medications, but just get them healthier so they can rest. At the same time, underlying inflammation needs also to be addressed. So here's how the protocol goes for treating these long-hauler patients and, and focusing on four main aspects. Mitochondrial support for reducing fatigue, immune activation, gut health, and managing and modulating inflammation, particularly from blood sugar issues and obesity. So when we come back on the other side of the break, I'm going to give you some specific supplement recommendations that are from the article itself, but they may not be specific enough for you. That's where, again, testing comes in so handy. 
We're going to take a break. You've been listening to Dr. Andrew Dyer on AM 1290 WHIO. It's an Ask the Expert weekend on Dayton and Springfield's 24-hour news, weather, and traffic station, 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. It's our Ask the Expert weekend on the Miami Valley radio station with breaking news, weather, and traffic, 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. And we are back to finish up. Thank you very much again this, uh, this morning for listening. And this is Dr. Andrew Dyer, just joining you for the last couple minutes here. So as I was just saying on the other side of the break, from a treatment perspective in terms of how we're going to help resolve some of these, these long hauler symptoms with the mitochondrial support piece, common things that we use in the office all the time for this is B vitamin support, CoQ10, N-acetylcysteine on occasion when necessary based on testing, magnesium, zinc, selenium, vitamin C. And of course, the dosages will be different for every patient based on their size, severity of symptoms, what their test findings look like. So we've got a lot of exploratory work to do first in testing to figure out what it is they need or they're missing. Now, what about medicinal mushrooms to improve immune activation? It it sounds kind of a little bit strange when, when it's written that way. But yes, we do use a couple of different mushroom extract products. Uh, one is called RM10. It's from Garden of Life. It's an excellent nutrient. It has four or five different types of mushroom blends in it. And it does a really, really nice job of supporting healthy immune system function. Then restoring gut health. That's the third prong of a four-part protocol, according to this author, on how we're going to handle some of this long-hauler stuff. And, and restoring gut health is paramount, maybe maybe even more important than anything else at the beginning, is getting the gut back on track. Because if and when we can do that, it's more when than if, but when we do that, that helps the rest of the nutrients that we're pouring in on top get actually out to the places they need to go. So part of that uh, mindset or treatment protocol or, or the order of things really needs to be focused on the gut. And at the same time that we're focused on getting the gut right, we've got to do plenty of other things to to attack that inflammatory process as well as immune system support. So the last wing, the fourth piece of the puzzle here on how to manage this, this long hauler presentation is managing and modulating inflammation, particularly from blood sugar issues and obesity. So yes, inflammation, we talk about it all the time, but how do we really address it? Well, there's a number of different dietary approaches that can be helpful. Uh, yes, even intermittent fasting is, is mentioned here in this article. I think there's m- many other things to do too, but I'm not, not a, uh, scared to say intermittent fasting can help in this way. And then just changing the diet, what's coming in in terms of these, these intake and, and avoidance factors can play a huge role in actually modulating inflammation. So avoiding processed foods and low-quality, high-glycemic index carbs, better known as junk foods. And just 300 calories of low-quality carbs can actually reduce immunity by 50% in a two-hour time block study. Other foods to avoid include foods with gluten and foods with added sugar. Foods to add to the diet include high-quality fats and high-quality proteins. So proteins, fish, chicken, eggs, turkey, some red meat here and there on occasion. Um, not afraid to include some red meat in my diet. It's not a staple I use every day, but it's not something I'm afraid to eat. And high-quality fats, avocados, olive oil, coconut oil. There's many there. 
and then moderate exercise at least 30 minutes a day uh, to improve sleep and also help have some rapid effects on inflammation. Now, what about from a supplement standpoint? If we were going to target inflammation with one nutrient, it'd be curcumin complex. Curcumin complex is ginger, turmeric, as well as 200 other curcuminoid ingredients, many of which have been studied extensively, many of which they're still working on figuring out the exact mechanism of how they help, but we know they do because they make the changes in the blood work we want to see. So I hope you enjoyed this wild ride today through cancer and a caller about colonoscopy and some uh, thoughts on long hauler syndrome. Uh, It is something that I've had some success with early on and hope to continue that on with uh, more and more patients that need that help. But want to thank you just for tuning in this morning. If you haven't gotten outside lately to go and exercise, do that today. And if you haven't had a blood test in a while, call us on Monday. You've been listening today to Dr. Andrew Dyer for Take Two Healthcare. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.